1: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chuck and Amber. Before we go to Psalm 37, turn with me for a moment to Second Thessalonians chapter one. 2 Thessalonians chapter one. Uh, the next few weeks will be a little bit different. This will be our last Sunday evening service of the month. Next Sunday is Father's Day. We encourage you to, um, if. Uh, you are able to uh, spend time with your dad if you're not able to spend time uh, honoring the memory of your father or uh, talking to your father where, however you can if you still still around. Um, but we pray that uh, you have a blessed Father's Day next week. Then the Sunday after that uh, will be VBS prep. And so we will have a Sunday morning service that week, but no uh, Sunday evening service. Uh, many of you will be here the following Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for VBS. And so uh, you'll be, um, actually many of you will be here anyways on Sunday, setting up uh, and doing some last-minute things for VBS, and so no service then. Then when we get into July, uh, we'll hit the ground running on a new series. But before we start a series, I want to take you to uh, the Psalms tonight. And before we do that, I want to tell you, and encourage you to keep calm and carry on. How many of you have seen this promotional poster? Okay. Most of you have seen this. How many of you know where it came from? This poster was a promotional poster issued by the Ministry of Information of Great Britain in 1939. They printed over 2.45 million copies of this poster. Nevertheless, they rarely used them. They were holding them back as a message of encouragement if they felt that the hearts of Great Britain and its citizens began to break under the bombing of the Luftwaffe during World War II. And as Britain was... And during the German bombs, they were stealing themselves, strengthening themselves. And these uh, promo- this particular promotional per- uh, poster was the third in a series, I believe. Uh, sadly, even though they were printed, 2.45 million copies of them in 1939, come 1940, there was a paper shortage due to the bombing. And so almost all of them were recycled. And this poster went forgotten for decades until the year 2000 when a bookstore owner happened to find one in the back room somewhere or underneath a pile of books. Uh, you know us book lovers, we've got so many books we can't find the ones we got. And uh, lo and behold, every once in a while you, you open up a book and you, something falls out and you thought, oh, I remember, I remember putting that in there. Or, or you think, man, I don't remember putting that in there, but I'm glad I did. And so this bookstore owner found this poster and, and uh, it became uh, uh, popular for the first time, even though it was actually a very old poster. An encouragement, despite whatever is going on, to stay calm, keep calm, and carry on. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, this message keep calm and carry on was given by the Apostle Paul, although not using, of course, those words and certainly not in poster form. Paul says this, look in verse four, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith. And notice this next part in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Which is a. Manifest token, it is a proven fact, in other words, of the righteous judgment of God that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you and to to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he shall come to be glorified in his saints. So we'll be there too. we will be glorified with him and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Now, let's stop there for a moment. Sometimes people say, are you pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib? And what they're talking about is the timing of the rapture. Now, if you've heard me at all, you know that I would consider myself pre-trib, that the tribulation, the, the coming judgments, the day of the Lord, the uh, the, the, the tribulation period, the 70th week of Daniel, that is all part of the wrath of God. That's all part of God's judgment. And the church will be taken out. I've taught on that extensively over the last three years, many times. But sometimes I like to say, pre trib, mid trib, post trib, I'm a two tribber. I'm a two tribber. Because 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 says there's two tribulations there's the present tribulation of the church. And the coming tribulation of the world. If you're part of the church, you only live through the first tribulation. But there's a tribulation coming, Paul says, that will be a consequence for those who do not respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who do not admit their sin before a holy, righteous God. Who do not believe that Jesus is the Savior, the one and only Savior who came to earth, died on a cross for their sin, shed his blood to pay for their sin, rose victorious from the dead, and has offered them grace, grace, not works, not payment for works, God's grace received one way, and that's through faith. And they have not responded by receiving that grace. They have not placed their faith in Jesus Christ. There is a tribulation coming, Paul says, for the world as a judgment and a consequence for the tribulation that we endure today. And with that in mind, I want you to go with me to Psalm 37. Psalm 37, a psalm of David about believers in God going through discouraging times, going through trying times. David was a man who went through some trials. He went through some trials as a child before he was anointed king. We see that in the subtext of the story when his own father didn't consider him worthy to be numbered with his sons when the prophet Samuel said, gather all your sons together and meet me at your house. His own father didn't consider him worthy to be numbered with his brothers, numbered as a son of Jesse. We know that his brothers uh, thought little of him. And the times that we do see him interacting with his older brothers, they're uh, condescending and, and critical of him. And of course, we know that after he was anointed king, he had to wait a long time. I think it was about 16, 16 and a half years before he actually became king, even after being anointed uh, by uh, Samuel. Of course, he became king of uh, Judah first and ruled only Judah. Uh, for uh, and Benjamin for a few years, I believe Judah and Benjamin for a few years, and then finally uh, at last became the king of all of Israel. But he went through some trials. His own father-in-law tried to kill him, tried to uh, pin him to the wall with a spear first, and then after he married off, off to one of his daughters, he, he tried to have him killed in battle, and then he actually hunted him down on multiple occasions to try to take his life. He was a man often beset by trials and tribulations. God has not promised you a trouble-free life as a follower of God. That is nowhere found in Scripture. It's found in american christianity but it's not found in biblical christianity there are trials coming so how do we respond when we see the wicked prosper and the righteous persecuted let me remind you to keep calm and carry on because the only score that matters in any game in any competition the only score that matters is the final score doesn't matter what the score is at, at the end of the first quarter. Doesn't matter what the score is at the end of halftime. Doesn't matter what the score is with two minutes to go. It matters what is the score at the end of the game. And at the end of the game, if you are in Jesus Christ tonight, you win. You win. And the blessings are forever, they're not temporary. And so the good news of the gospel says that we can have encouragement even in discouraging times. And the message of Psalm 37, written by a man who knew discouragement, written by a man who saw the wicked prosper and experienced personally persecution, even from places within his own family, the message is don't fret, focus. Don't fret the wicked. Focus on the Lord. Now, Psalm 37 is a longer psalm. We're not going to unpack the entire uh, uh, song tonight, but I want to highlight some things that David says, don't fret, focus, and give you some truths to stand on even as the wicked world we live in crumbles all around us. As we see the foundations of our, our society crumbling, how can we stay encouraged? How can we stay focused. Psalm 37 gives us, excuse me, some answers to that. Now, let's look at the first eight verses. Uh, Again, we're not going to dive deep into every single verse in this passage, but let's at least read through the first eight verses to begin with. David says this, fret not, fret not. The word fret literally means to burn with anger or to burn with anxiety. In other words, I'm consumed because of Uh, because of what's going on around me and it's either driving me to constant anger can I get an amen anybody else feeling that I've been feeling that I told Gigi several times in the last two years I'm so tired of being angry all the time constantly angry because of what I see going on around me and there is a place for righteous anger but the place of righteous anger is not the place of fretting it's not to be burned and consumed by it Yes, burn with fervor, burn with passion, but don't be consumed by anger. But maybe it's not anger that's consuming you. Maybe what's going around you has you fretting with not anger, but with fear and worry and concern. What is going to happen to me? What is going to happen to me? And we're so consumed. And Jesus says, consider the lilies of the field. Consider the sparrows. If if, If you're focused on me, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. So we can become consumed. David says, don't fret. Don't be burning with anger or burning with anxiety over what is going on. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord. And do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not. There's that phrase again. Fret not thyself, because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not. Here we go again. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Now let's stop there for sake of time. Three times in these eight verses, David says, fret not. Cool down. Cool off chill out, keep calm, and carry on. And the first thing he says in verse 1 is to stay calm without envy. Stay calm without envy. Don't envy the political power of the wicked. Don't envy the financial power of the wicked. Don't Envy the societal peer pressure that the wicked are exerting. Hey, it's pride month. You, you know what, what the middle of pride month spells, right? Pride month. You squeeze that word together right in the middle. You got the word demon. You got the word demon. And that's what we're seeing today. We're seeing the influence of the demonic in our society and in our culture because our society and our culture, which has been soaked with the word of God, has rejected the word of god and jesus told a parable about demonic possession it wasn't it's not really just a parable i, I shouldn't even call it a parable it, it's a truth it's a it's a reality about demonic possession jesus said if if you cast a demon out of somebody speaking to his disciples and and that person becomes free of that demonic spirit but if they don't fill their heart with the holy spirit That that heart, that house becomes an empty house. It becomes a vacant house. And that demonic spirit that's been kicked out, it's going to go wandering. And it's going to think, man, I had it really nice when I had that body, when I had a place to stay. And it's going to find spirits that are even more wicked than itself. And it's going to go back to that person and inhabit that person again. And Jesus said the latter state of that person will be worse than the former state. Because now it just won't be one demon. It will be many more wicked demons. And Jesus said, so shall it be with the generation. Jesus said what's true of a person who's demonically possessed can be true of a society. That's what we're seeing today. We're seeing the fulfillment of that reality that Jesus unfolded for his disciples. We see the power of the demonic in our society. Nevertheless, it is very tempting For us to see that and to envy the influence of evil. David says, chill out and don't envy them. And why don't you envy them? Why don't you say, well, look how much fun they're having. Look how much freedom. Look how much influence. Look how much power they have. They can get away. They can do whatever they want. They can get away with it. Yeah, they can get away with it like the grass gets away with it until somebody comes along with a lawnmower and chops them all down. Or until it stops raining and the grass turns brown and dies. See, we need to remember that their power, as influential as it may be in the days that we're living in a moment, is very fast fleeting. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the faster time goes. And the older I get, the more I realize how short a time we have on this planet. Life is a vapor, Ecclesiastes says. It is a fleeting moment. And the grass fades, but the word of the Lord is forever. I mean, I I think uh, there are times when I think uh, about things that happened 20, 30, 40 years ago. And it seems like it was like yesterday in, so, in a way or, or last week maybe would be more accurate or last month. And I think, no, that you know, you hear a song and it, you know, we sang some uh, praise and worship songs 20 years old, 25 years old today. It doesn't seem like 25 years ago that I was learning come now is the time to worship. It doesn't seem li- like it was 20 years ago that I was uh, leading worship at uh, Oakland Avenue Baptist Church and we had a new song, God of Wonders, and I just fell in love with that song. Like that, time flies. And the older you get, the faster it goes. And so the comfort of that is that as much power as people have that are wicked, it's just fleeting. It's just temporary. And so I want to highlight three commands that David gives us in the first six verses here that we read. The first thing David says in verse three is to stay faithful. Don't envy the wicked. Stay faithful to God. Trust God and obey the Lord. He will keep you stable. The world around you is crumbling. Society is crumbling. But if you will keep your eyes on the Lord, if you'll fix your eyes on Jesus like Peter walking on water, if you will keep your eyes on him and you will be faithful and you will obey while the world crumbles around you, God will keep you stable. You stay faithful. The second thing he says in verse 4 is to keep Jesus first. Keep him first. I remember when I was a kid down at Thomas Road, and that's where I, uh, when my, uh, uh, when I was just a three, almost four, Dad uh, surrendered to the call to uh, be a pastor and moved our family down to Lynchburg, Virginia, to attend what was then Liberty Baptist College. And uh, we used to go to church at Thomas Road, and, and that's where I w- was saved as a child, in Sunday school at Thomas Road. We called it Sunday school back then, Elmer. And uh, uh, I was saved at Thomas Road in Sunday school class. And um, we used to, I remember, I thought it was so cool as a kid, uh, they would hand out at the door at Thomas Road these little Jesus First pins. Anybody ha- here have those? They, they would send them out. They'd say, you you. Uh, if you wrote into the ministry, they'd send them out. People were passing them out. You'd wear these Jesus first pins on your tie or on your lapel. Keep Jesus first. Keep Jesus first. It's not enough to have Jesus if he's your backup plan. Well, I'm going to keep Jesus in my back pocket in case things go bad. Jesus must be first. Look again, verse four. Delight thyself also in the Lord. And he shall give the desires of thine heart. Now, what we have done, sadly, is we have taken verse four and we've chopped it in half and we've thrown out the first part. And we've said, God will give you the desires of your heart. Whatever you want, God will give you the desires of your heart. If you just pray for it, if you just pray for it, that's not what the verse says. The verse says, if I am the desire of your heart. You got it. If you make me the desire of your heart, you'll always have your heart's desire because I'm not going to fail you. I'm not going to ever die again, Jesus says to you. I'm forever. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I am right with you all the time. My wife can't be with me all the time. My son isn't with me all the time. My friends aren't with me all the time. Jesus is always with me. I can't always, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night, and I got got anxiety in my heart, I'm not going to wake my wife up and just make her stress, and she doesn't get any sleep either. I'm not going to call my dad in the middle of the night over something I'm stressing about. And the Holy Spirit says, why don't you talk to me about it? The Holy Spirit says, why don't you take it to the Father? Let's go talk to the Father about it. And then what happens when you really begin to pour out your heart? All of a sudden you wake up in the next morning. Wait, And sometimes it's because we... Sometimes because we're like the disciples and we just fall asleep when we should be praying. But sometimes it's because we, God just gives us that peace and just puts us right back to bed. Like a crying baby who just who just needs to to get that bottle or, or the crying baby who just needs to the blankets come off and they just need to, to be wrapped up again and more. And, and God wraps us up. If you keep Jesus first, you will always have your heart's desire. But here's the other thing he says In verses 5 and 6, you got to stay committed. You got to stay committed. You got to commit yourself every day. Look again at verse 5. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. You have to stay committed. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus says, You got to take up your cross daily and follow me. It's not just about, look, that, I've made commitments in my life. I've gone to the altar before. I, I, I believe in, in going to the altar. We, ha, we have altar calls. I've made commitments at the altar. But a commitment I made at the altar years ago is no substitute for not being committed today. I need to get on that altar. I need Romans chapter 12, verse 1, to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. I need to get back, and I got to get back on that altar every day because I crawl off just like you do. Every day's a new battle. Every day's a new opportunity, though, to make that commitment again. Do we falter? Absolutely we do. Do we stumble? Of course we do. He knows that we're dust. But if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But I want to remind you before we move on that committing to one thing means that you are sacrificing other things. Committing to one thing means you're sacrificing other things. I stood at another altar and made a commitment to God and Galila, Gigi, my wife, that it was just her till death do us part. You know what that meant? A lot of other things had to go by the wayside to make that commitment and to keep that commitment. A lot of other relationships, just even relationships that weren't sinful relationships, friendships with, uh, at the time, most of my close friends were girls. But those friendships all had to change. They changed fast because there was one woman for me now. Do I still care about those people? Absolutely. But I got one wife. I got one best friend. You make a commitment to a person, a lot of other things got to go, go to the wayside. A lot of other things get chucked. Same is true of Jesus Christ. You make a commitment to Christ, a lot of other things. You're not going to have time for everything else you want to do. You're not going to have money for everything else you want to buy. You're not going to have energy for other things that you want to get involved in if Jesus is first. That doesn't mean that we only come to church, right? But it means whatever you do, you do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Is that whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, you do it for the Lord. You do it for him. And so there's things that we sacrifice to do it for him. I got to move on. Stay calm without envy. Notice verse seven. Stay calm also without. And here's a hard part. We, we struggle with this. I struggle with this. I'm su- I'm suspecting you do, too. Stay committed and stay calm. Without impatience. Without impatience. Verse 7 says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not thyself because of Him who prospereth in His way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. We are, our culture is being run by uh, psychopaths and pedophiles. We are. it's, It's insane what is happening when we look at it. I mean, Jeffrey Epstein, not a conspiracy theory. Just Lane Maxwell, it's been said, the only woman who's ever been convicted of trafficking children to no one. Because none of the people she trafficked to, none of the millionaires and billionaires and the celebrities and the politicians and the world leaders that frequented that horrific hellish island have even been named publicly. I mean, you can find the flight logs online if you dig hard enough, but they've been, they've been squashed. They've been scrubbed from a lot, of, a lot of pages. Some who's who on that list, that flight log to Epstein Island. Some of the most powerful, influential men. Bill Gates being one of them, was, has been interviewed about it. His response, well, he's dead now. I shouldn't have to answer any questions about my relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. Listen, we see the wicked prospering. We see the wicked temporarily blessed. And it can be very tempting to get impatient. God, why aren't you dealing with it now? I want it done yesterday. And God says, wait, wait. Now, one of the reasons God tells us to wait, Second Peter chapter 3 says, is because God is patient. He's long-suffering. He is extending grace to people and he's waiting for them to repent like you hopefully have repented and not like I've repented but there's another reason that is given to us here in this text in chapter 37 sometimes God lets them keep sinning because he's letting the judgment get higher too he's going to let them keep sinning and keep sinning Because hell's just going to burn all that much hotter. Now, that's an uncomfortable thing sometimes to think about, but it's a reality that we need to think about and need to be aware of. God is just. God is just. And so, when the Bible tells us to cease from anger, the Bible isn't saying that God doesn't get angry, God is saying, vengeance is mine. I will repay. I'll I'll take care of it. I will repay, saith the Lord. I am the God of vengeance. And I know how to judge because I know I know not just what you see and hear about. I know the very thoughts and intents of people's hearts. And every one of us will stand before the Lord and give an account for every idle word, for every idle thought. That's why you better have Jesus. <laughs> you better have Jesus. You better have an advocate. You better, you better know that your sins are paid for and forgiven. See, when I stand before the Lord, I, I, I'm going to be concerned about the rewards that I've lost. I've lost rewards. Galatians 6 says that you will reap a harvest if you faint not. Sometimes God is wanting to bless us, and because we get impatient because we haven't gotten the blessing yet, and we give up and we quit, we faint in the midst of serving the Lord. And Paul warns in Galatians 6, if you do that, you're going to lose your your rewards. You're going to lose the harvest. So hang in there. Be patient. Understand that the rewards are not automatic. God is not McDonald's, okay? Or uh, let's say Chick-fil-A, right? Although I don't know if I want to give Chick-fil-A any praise anymore uh, for some of the the direction that they're heading. And uh, anyways, um, let's just say generally, God is not a fast food joint, okay? Let's just say, let's not give anybody any free publicity. Too late, I guess. These these messages go to the podcast unedited. So, God is not fast food. He's not Amazon Prime, and Amazon Prime today is not Amazon Prime a couple years ago. It's not going to come as fast as you want. That's why you got to be patient. Stay calm without in patience. the rewards are not immediate and the judgment isn't immediate either. Sometimes it's because God is extending grace and sometimes it's because God is heaping up judgment. God says you ain't seen nothing yet. So stay calm without envy, stay calm without impatience. And then let's look at verse um, verse eight again. Stay calm without compromise, without compromise. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. See, one of the the troubles that we have, one of the problems that we have when we see the wicked prospering is that we practice relative obedience. What do I mean by that? We look at how bad they are and say, well, as long as I'm not that bad, right? I mean, they're way over there with their wickedness. That means I get to go all the way over here. And I still look pretty good. I still look pretty righteous. I still look, I still look okay to God. They're not the standard. Jesus is the standard. And it's very easy for us to compromise in a corrupt society and think, well, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. I ain't doing what they're doing. But God's not asking you to look better than them. He's asking you to be ye holy as I am holy. And by asking, I mean commanding. That's the standard. That's the expectation. And by the way, he's given you his Holy Spirit to be able to do that. Are you going to stumble? Absolutely. That's why we need grace. That's why we need to live in grace. That's why we need to walk by faith. Faith is not just something you have when you get saved and then you don't need faith anymore. Faith is how you receive God's grace, saving grace. But faith is also how you live in God's grace, serving grace and how you continue to grow closer and closer, to the Lord. And I like what Mark Lowry used to always say. Uh, thank. Uh, I'm gonna mess it up though, because I wasn't planning on saying it. Uh, I'm not what I. I'm um, uh, not what I should be. I'm not what I'm. Not what I should be. Not what I could be. Not what I'm gonna be. But thank God I'm not what I was. Thank God I'm not what I was. Pretty close. So, are you growing? How, are you closer to the Lord? Today, than you were before COVID? Are you closer to the Lord today before the world went into chaos and and we saw how crazy things are? Have all those things driven you closer to the Lord or have they driven you into compromise? Well, I'm not as bad as they are. Well, that's not the standard. Let me give you a few things here before we close. Uh, I'm going to do some summarizing for sake of time, because I at least want to give you the highlights of this verse. Verses 8 through 26 tell us this, don't agitate or imitate the reprobate. Don't agitate the, or imitate the reprobate. I, look, I got a six-year-old, so I do a lot of rhyming, you know, <laughs> we do some Dr. Seuss every now and then. So that's your, that's your Dr. Seuss rhyme for today, don't agitate or imitate the reprobate. Verse uh, 9 goes on to say, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Where heard that before? They shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, Jesus would later say, for they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in The abundance of peace. The wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon his upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he sees that his day is coming. You know, we we see these the wicked people in the world trying to shut the church down and trying, trying to shut the church up and trying to infiltrate and compromise the church and trying to pay off religious leaders to not preach about this or not talk about that. And if you do, we're going to take away your tax status. And if you do, we're going to fine you. And if you do, maybe, maybe not long from now, we're going to come and walk into your service and shut you down. And you know what God says? Oh, that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. You think you're going to, you think you're going to shut down my church? How'd that work for Rome? How'd that work for the Roman Empire, when the church was just a baby, and you just had a, a few hundred people, then you just had a few thousand people, and then the blood of martyrs was the seed of the church, as was written. And the church, even through martyrdom, has expanded. You know, the church, the, the the church in persecuted countries puts us to shame. The church in China put in China puts us to shame. The church in uh. Uh, um, uh, Islamic countries puts us to shame. The church in Nigeria puts us to shame because they are enduring literal physical persecution and they're packing themselves in to hear the word of God. And we need to make sure that we are not agitating and not imitating the reprobate. We're staying calm without a compromise. Verses 27 through 33, we're trusting the Lord's justice And we're speaking the Lord's truth. I know I'm skipping over a lot here, but look at verse 27. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forever. By the way, if you're wondering what I skipped over, you can study that yourself tonight. Okay, before you go to bed, you break out your Bible, read, dive into Psalm 37. Depart from evil, verse 27, do good, dwell forevermore. For the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever. But the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, and his tongue talketh of judgment. Klaus Schwab has said, he's like the Bill Gates of Europe, and he's a wicked, wicked man, uh, leader of the uh, World Economic Forum. He said, people will have nothing and they'll be happy about it. These people think that they have the right to own everything. The elite, the elite of the elite, the Luciferian elite, think that they have the right to own everything. Well, guess what? Even if they get all the title deeds and confiscate all the land, they're only going to have it for a few years. Guess who gets it forever? And we don't get it in its current state. We get it in its redeemed state. We get it when Jesus comes back. And and you read in the, uh, the Old Testament, I think it's, I, I think it's in the book of Isaiah, I could be wrong, when it talks about what the world is going to be like during the Millennial Kingdom. And it says that, that they're going to have a hard time. Things are going to grow so fast. It's going to go back to it was before the way it was before the curse. Things are going to grow in the earth so fast that they're going to have a hard time getting the seed planted before the next harvest comes up. There's not going to be any food shortage. There's not going to be any pop, worry about population uh, control and overpopulation because Christ will be here in His creation with His creation reigning over it. And that's when we get to be kings and priests with him. That's when we get it. Let them have the broken down world. Let them have the world that's falling apart for a few years. We get it redeemed forever. So trust the Lord's justice and speak his truth. Verse 30 says, The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, and his tongue talketh of judgment. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps Shall slide The wicked watcheth the righteous and seeketh to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. I have seen the wicked in great power. King Saul was one of those wicked men that David saw in great power. He was in the throne room of the king of the Philistines, a wicked man of great power. And David says, I've seen him spreading himself like a green bay tree, yet he passed away. And lo, he was not. I sought him, but I could not. He could not be found. Wait patiently for the Lord's justice. And then one more thing on this topic. The next verse. Verse 37, mark the perfect man. Perfect here means mature. Doesn't mean sinless. There is no sinless. uh, Mark the perfect or the mature. Mark the mature man, verse 37, and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength. In the time of trouble, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because because they trust in him. David says, you know what one of your problems is, is you're looking too much at the wicked and you're not finding those men and women of faith who are standing up, who are making the sacrifice, who are doing it the right way. And you need to imitate them. Paul says, be imitators of me as I imitate Jesus Christ. Paul told Timothy, you need to be an example that people can follow, an example to the believers in how you talk and how you live in the faith that you live out in your life. All of us should seek to be an example, but all of us should find some examples. of pe- You're not going to find any perfect people, but you can find some mature. We've got mature believers, men and women in our church. We're very blessed. We have tremendous servant leadership in this church. Tremendous servant leadership. How can I serve people? And you need to focus on men like that, on women like that. I'm gonna, I, I don't want to start naming names. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I don't, I don't want to leave anybody out. But you know who they are. So be encouraged and encourage them to keep going, to keep on keeping on. One of the, one of the godly men of his day, uh, Asaph, in Psalm 73 said, Man, I was getting so discouraged I was getting here. Here's a godly man, a worship leader. He said, I was getting so discouraged because I see the wicked prospering. And he said, my foot almost slipped. I almost I almost backslid. He said, but then I considered their end. Then I remembered. Then I remembered that we're not playing the short game here. We're not playing for a few decades. We're playing forever. We're playing for eternity. And Asaph got his game back on and got himself picked back up. And so sometimes even the people that we look up to, sometimes they need encouragement. Sometimes they need picked up. But be that person who is an encouragement. Now, let me close with this. I want to remind you, what does the future hold? As we think about staying calm without envy, staying calm without impatience, staying calm without compromise, we have to focus on the truth, focus on the Lord, focus on the future. And what does the future for those in the Lord Hold. Well, here's what the Bible says for the wicked. We've read many of these verses. We skipped over a few of them. But again, uh, dive back into Psalm 37 on your own time. The wicked have great pleasure, but it's temporary pleasure. Their children will suffer and are suffering. I mean, the things that people are doing to their own children today. As a former social worker, three years working with abused kids, at risk kids, just heartbreaking, heartbreaking the things that people do to their own children, put their own children through. That's what the wicked bring. Suffering children, public disgrace. And ultimately, no matter how much money they have, how much power they have, hopelessness because the coming judgment and the coming destruction from the Lord for those who do not have Jesus Christ as their advocate, as their Lord, as their Savior. That's what the wicked have to look forward to doesn't matter how much money they have doesn't matter how much power or influence they have doesn't ma- matter how many likes they have or how many followers they have on TikTok or on Instagram doesn't matter when it's judgment day none of that matters anymore but what do the wicked what the wicked have is 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 terrible but what do the righteous have waiting for us and by the way, the right. how do you be righteous? You get the righteousness of Christ. You get, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. It's not my own right. It's not by works of righteousness that I've done. It's the righteousness of Christ that is imputed to me. And then I get to live that out and grow into what God has already declared over me by his grace received through faith. So what do the righteous get? Lasting pleasure, not temporary pleasure. Lasting pleasure. Blessed children. Blessed. I'm one of those blessed children from my parents. And, and our heart's cry is that Elijah gets to be one of those children because we're going to walk with the Lord. We're going to walk with the Lord for ourselves. We're going walk with, to walk with the Lord for each other. And we're going to walk with the Lord for him and for his sake. Blessed children. Public reward. Public reward. Public not in this time. I'm talking about in the second coming when the whole world gets to see Who's riding with the king. We're going to be riding with the king. Okay. Public reward. Protection and eternal blessings from God promised us in Psalm 37. And security in the Lord who we now know by the name Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Our Lord. Our protector. Our security is in him. Is that your hope today? I'm going to ask Chuck come and just play something on the guitar as we... We're not going to have a, a time of singing invitation, but as we often do on Sunday nights, I do want to give you a time to uh, respond. And so I'm going to say a prayer, and then I just ask you to pray where you are. Ask what the Holy Spirit would have you to do with this, with this psalm tonight. And spend just a few times. If, if you need to come to the altar, the altar's open. Our deacons are here. We have a couple of our deacons here. Deacons' wives um, are available, or we have women who are be available to pray with you. And uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you, God, for the eternal hope that we have. And, God, for this prophetic reminder from your servant David that no matter what we see happening in the moment, that it's what lasts forever that matters. It's how we stand before you that matters. Because, God, someday all of this is going to fade away. All of the celebrities will fade. All of the politicians will fade. All the finance is going to burn up. And what matters is that we know you and that we are part of your family, part of your kingdom, that we have your righteousness through Jesus Christ. Father, may we be encouraged not to be discouraged, not to quit, not to, not to compromise because of what we see happening in the world around us. We ask that in Jesus' name, amen. Again, just take some time, just you and the Lord right now. you promised us in your word that for the mature man the upright man the end of that man is peace because they are in the prince of peace father you know the world offers many pleasures but only you can offer true peace so father may we find peace in your promises peace in your presence tonight god help us not to fret not to fret with anger not to fret with anxiety but to rest confidently in you, to speak confidently about you and about your promises to others. God, to follow godly examples and to be godly examples to those who are watching us, our friends, our children, our grandchildren. Father, we can only do that by your spirit, but Father, in you we have your spirit in us. Father, we rest in him as well. We love you, Father. We praise you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God bless you. Lord willing, we'll see you on Wednesday nights. God's going to be taking us back to the book of Nehemiah. I'd love to have you here for our prayer meeting and Bible study. You are dismissed.
0: That's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you've never accepted Christ as your savior and you'd like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. If you've never joined us in person, we have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We also have opportunities for our students to gather. The Youth group for grades 6 through 12 meets at 6 o'clock p.m. on Sundays, and our WANA program for 6th grade and under meets at 6.15 p.m. on Wednesdays. Again, we thank you for joining us today, and we hope to see you soon. But until next time, stay faithful.